This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Thank you, Tim. What a great truth, washed by the blood. And, you know, that boy's got a little bit of soul, doesn't he? He's my soul brother, and, uh, you know, he calls me brother from another mother. And uh, that is it. we just brothers in the Lord. Thank you, Tim Wilson. Uh, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 1, and we'll be in Roman, Romans 1 and Romans 2. And at 8 o'clock, and by the way, you all are welcome to join. I know schedule-wise it doesn't fit you because you come to the later service. Um, but I shared with our prayer partners that gather around to pray for our staff before the Sunday morning activities begin. But I just said, you know what? This is a tough lesson, and I may be in deep weeds today, and if I get stuck, somebody that knows a lot more than I do, you just feel free to come and get me out, okay? Get me unstuck, because when we get into the book of Romans, uh, there is some deep stuff there, but I, uh, I believe God's led us there, and uh, I've tried to prepare my, my heart, I've tried to prepare my head. And uh, I just believe that God's going to do something for us today. As a pastor, I, I, I frequently have tough questions asked of me. And one of those questions is that old question that's been asked by every generation of every time period. Um, and maybe even by some of you, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Um, and... And, you know, I know the textbook answer to that question, but it's really hard to, for people to sort through this question when they've had the bottom drop out of their lives. Another question that is tough to answer is, why does God allow so much suffering? Um, the World Health Organization estimates that one-third of the world is well-fed. That's us. One-third of the world is underfed, and one-third is starving to death. It's said that four million people will die of starvation this year. In fact, other organizations have put the number closer to 15 million people worldwide will starve to death this year. So how do you respond when when people ask, how can a loving God allow so much suffering to innocent people? And, and again, you know, we can come up with a textbook answer. You know, the answer that I learned in Bible college and read it from a textbook. But it, it's tough to help people, and especially when some of them are looking for a reason to be mad at God. It's tough to help them understand why a loving God allows this to happen. But then, one of the toughest questions that, that I hear is the question that we want to discuss this morning. Here's, here's the question. What happens to those who die, maybe in the jungles of South America or Africa or in the oppressive Muslim countries, those who have never clearly heard the gospel as we've heard it, when they die, will God send them to hell? And I'll admit that I'm not smart enough to answer that question, but thankfully the Apostle Paul was. And so we're going to let him do our heavy lifting today. But really this lesson is not just about answering that question for 
the pagans in far off lands because this lesson will reach down and touch all of us as, as we will be reminded that none of us here today will have an excuse if we miss heaven. Now we can blame our church, we can blame our upbringing, we can blame our parents, we can blame our country, we can blame the wicked society, we can blame the liberals, we can blame the Republicans, we can blame the Democrats. But the reality is that nobody here will have an excuse if they miss heaven. And since I just essentially killed our service, let me just stop my commentary and, uh, and read our scripture. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. And for this first segment, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, and then we'll read from a couple of other translations as well. Romans 1, 16 reads like this, and you'll recognize the first part of this. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ or this good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, Jews first and also Gentiles. This good news or gospel tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Now, Paul transitions here now into our topic in verse 18. And I want to point out some phrases or some words here that are going to be very pertinent as we go along in, in our study. Verse 18, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful or wicked people who push. Catch that word, push the truth away from themselves. For the truth about God is known to them, catch this word, instinctively. God has put this knowledge in their hearts. From the time the world was created, people, catch this, have seen the earth and sky and all that God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse whatsoever for not knowing God. You think maybe we ought to pray again? I, I think so. Lord, oh, would you just give us, uh, give us insight, give us understanding. This is truth that is so, oh, so probing and, Lord, in some ways scary. But I pray, Father, that you would help us to listen to your word and to apply it to our hearts. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If God will help me today, and I'm counting on him to do so, I want to present four truths. Here's the first one. Everybody has some light. In other words, as our scripture said, everyone is born with some instinctive knowledge about God. Verse, verse 19 says, for the truth about God is known to them instinctively. God has put this knowledge in our hearts, in their hearts. Every child is born with a sense that there is a God. No one is born an atheist. Atheism is a learned behavior. No one is born an agnostic. Agnosticism is a learned behavior. Now, how does that instinctive knowledge get into our hearts? Well, let me explain it by presenting a scenario that I, I think will bring it down to where we live. I want you to imagine that the end of time has come. 
The final judgment is taking place. People are lined up. They're facing God. They're learning their eternal fate. Will they be rewarded with heaven or will they be sentenced to hell? Well, in that long line of people would be some people that we would probably refer to as heathen or, or pagans. Those, those who have never clearly heard the, the gospel of Jesus as we have been privileged to hear. And as they face God, they're, they're seeing God's anger against them. And verse 18 says, God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked, wicked people. And why is God angry? I mean, seriously, why is God angry? Here's the reason. Because he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cruel cross. And, and these people did not accept his son. And so put yourself in the place of, of God. You would be angry as well if, if you felt that your only son had died in vain, the people had rejected him, you would probably be angry as well. Well, maybe about this time, one of the pagans speaks up and says, well, God, we didn't know. You know, we never got to go to church. We didn't have churches in our part of the country and our part of the world and and so we've never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. We didn't have any Bibles. And, and, and so we didn't have a chance to know. And so God, doesn't that make us innocent? Because we didn't have that opportunity. And, and maybe God at this time says, well, let's take this matter to trial. And so God perhaps turns the judgment hall into a courtroom setting. And God calls in some witnesses. And he says, we'll see if these witnesses back your claim that you never had a fair and an equal chance. So God says, witness number one, will you please step forward? Will you tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God? The witness says, I will. Okay, witness, will you please state your name? And the first witness responds and says, my name is Creation. Now, our scripture introduced this witness in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. It says, from the time the world was created, people, did you catch that? Created. People have seen the earth, the sky, all that God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, divine nature. So they have no excuse whatsoever for not knowing God. And Psalm 19.1 affirms that as well. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. So the incredible creation that, that we have here, the, the sun, the moon, the stars, the Milky Way, the beautiful lakes, the beautiful mountains, the sunset, the sunrise, it is more than enough evidence that there is a God. Now, if you have a creation, you then also have to have a creator. You know, when I, when I look around here and look at this piano, um, I know that somebody made that piano. There was a creator. There wasn't just a big bang where it all came together. There was a creator. When I see this building that, that God allows us to worship in and I know that there was an architect. I know that there had to be a builder. This building didn't just evolve over millions of years. There was a creator. And by the same token, when, when I see the mighty universe that was designed with such precision and, and beauty, 
I know it didn't just happen. There was a creator. So witness number one says that the creation declares that there is a God. Well, witness number one steps down and, and God says, okay, I call the second witness. Would you take the stand? Will you tell the truth? Nothing but the truth will help you, God. And I will. Would you please state your name? And witness number two says, your honor, my name is conscience. So witness number one was what was, crea- what was creation, and, and, and he gave an outward witness, but the second witness is conscience, and he gives the inward witness. We read it, it says, and for the truth about God is known to them instinctively, God has put this knowledge in their hearts. And, and this is echoed in the next chapter of the same book, and uh, it says in Romans chapter 2, verse 14, even when the Gentiles, so that's referring to the people that we might call pagans, who do not have God's written law, so these are people that don't have the Bible. They do probably not have any churches around. It says, do not have God's written law, instinctively follow what the law says. They show that in their hearts, they know right from wrong. They demonstrate that God's law is written within them for their own consciences either accuse them or tell them they're doing what's right. So witness number two says, God has written his law in our hearts and in our minds. And there's that instinct. There's that internal voice. There's that conscience that helps us to know right from wrong. And by the way, every person that was ever born, that's ever been born, has these two witnesses. In John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. So every person has the witness of creation and the witness of conscience. So everyone has some light. Now, I didn't say that they have all light. We'll talk about that in a minute. But everyone has some light. So are we still on the same page? I think we're probably together now. Let's, let's get into this deeper. Number two. Light refused increases darkness. In other words, when people reject or disobey what they know of God, then the spiritual darkness increases in their life. And by the way, this is a really serious warning to all of us. If, if, if we're disobeying God in any way, you know what we're doing? We're, we're refusing light. And what will happen is that that spiritual darkness will increase in our lives. And I want to be very careful, very prayerful as I talk about this here, but I want you to listen to a scripture that explains the reason for a lot of the deviant behavior in our country today. It explains why people are doing certain things that go against scripture, yet they feel justified in doing it. And, and I'll just tell you, I'm, I'm referring to the whole tolerance thing where, you know, where people feel scripturally justified in supporting same-sex marriage, abortion, assisted suicide, living together outside of marriage. The, the scripture that we're about to read explains how people can do all of those things and feel good about it and feel justified In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Yes, they knew God, 
but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. The result was that their minds became dark and confused and skipping on down to verse 24. So God let them go ahead and do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. And instead of believing what they knew was the truth about God, they deliberately chose to believe lies. Now, see if this next part sounds familiar. Verse 26. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. And this gets pretty graphic here for mixed company. But even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relationships with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result, suffered within themselves the penalty they so richly deserved. And, and so how did we get to the point and how did they get to the point to where these kinds of things make them feel good, where they justify it? Verse 28, when they refused to acknowledge God... He abandoned them to their evil minds and let them do things that should never be done. So if you've ever wondered how we got to where we are as a society, it began with people knowing what was right, but deliberately refusing to do what was right. And then they began to believe lies and feel justified in engaging in a lifestyle of shameful behavior. So everybody has some light, but light refused increases darkness. You know, when God gives you light, when, when creation and conscience speak to the heart of an individual anywhere on the face of this earth, if they do not follow that light and obey God, they will begin to regress and lose the light that they had. And Remember, I pointed out a, a, a word earlier, push. It says the wicked people who push the truth away from themselves. Uh, I, I, I did some research into that word push. And you know what? That really has the connotation of, it, it has the connotation of smother. They smother the truth. So if you smother the truth, you disobey God continually, you will not, you cannot stay where you are spiritually. You will go backwards. And, and Romans 1.22 says your mind will become dark and confused. You know, I think it's so graphically illustrated in the, in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. And it speaks of how Satan will work in the last days. Let me just read it for you. It says, this evil man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of wicked deception to fool those who are on their way to destruction. Here it is, because they refuse to believe the truth that would save them. And then what happens? God will send great deception upon them. You say, hold it, pastor. Wait a minute. God doesn't send anybody into deception. That's what Satan does. Well, according to the scripture, it does appear that on occasion, God will do that. And, and follow along how it happens. Scripture says that when people reject light, when they refuse truth, when, when they know what is right, but they refuse to do it, God will allow them to be, be deceived. And verse 12 says, then they will be condemned 
for not believing the truth and for enjoying the evil they do. Let me try to illustrate this with just kind of a down-home illustration of how this might happen. Let's say there's someone who comes to our church for the first time today, and I don't know if we have any newbies. This is just an illustration, okay? And, um, and, and for those of you, uh, you know, that were actually listening during the announcements, you know that we've been challenging as God leads to help give with the expansion of our Family Life Center. Uh, we, we really would like to come out of this project debt-free whenever the last piece of equipment moves off the premises. Uh, you know, we're not pressuring, you know that, but we're challenging. And, but let's say that somebody's here for the very first time today and they're looking for a reason to get upset. And they're not creative enough to think of a new reason to get upset at the church. And so they pick up that old, that worn-out excuse and they say, well, all the church wants is my money. And you're not going to find me going to that church or any other church again because all they ever talk about is money, money, money. And, well, you know that's not true. We, we do talk about money here uh, because the Bible talks about money more than it does about prayer. The Bible talks about money more than it does about faith. The Bible talks about money more than it does heaven. The Bible talks about money more than it does hell. And so... Um, you know, we try to be faithful because we believe that giving is not a money issue. We, we believe it's a spiritual issue. That's not our focus today. But the, the major focus here at this church is to preach Jesus. But let's say that someone comes for the very first time today and, and picks up on the money part and they lose the rest of the service. They use it as an excuse not to come back. And Now, let's say that several months from now, you know, he's home on a Sunday morning. Two people knock at his door. He's sitting there watching television, getting caught up on social media and blogging, whatever. His wife and kids are at church. He opens the door and, you know, whenever he hears the knock by those two people and he says, what do you want? And, and they talk to him a bit. And in that conversation, he hears them say, you know that there's really no literal hell, don't you? And well, his interest is piqued. And he says, hey, I want to hear more. Come on in. And he listens to them. They tell him a lie. And he's deceived and believes that lie. That's how that works. So all people have some light, but don't forget that light refused increases darkness here's the third factor and thank god for this light obeyed increases light now it's important that you follow along here because some of you that maybe are a little bit smarter than the rest of us you're thinking okay pastor i see a flaw in your reasoning you say, okay, creation may indicate that there's a creator. Or yes, your conscience may prick you and let you know that you're doing something wrong. But, but pastor, the flaw in your reasoning is that creation and conscience don't tell you about Jesus. And pastor, you preach that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And, and, and so you say that all men have some light. But pastor, you have to admit that this is still not enough light to bring them to Christ. And, and you're absolutely right. Creation and conscience can only bring us to the fact of God. But please understand this. Light refused increases darkness, 
but light obeyed increases light. You know, back to our, our, our scripture in Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus, for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And here it is, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Now, what does that mean? Righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Well, here's how it happens. God gives you light or, or truth. We're using these interchangeably. You walk in that light. You follow that truth. You know what happens? God gives you more light and more truth. The more you walk in that light, the more light you get. So, so here's a person. God speaks to, speaks to him through creation and conscience. And, and he comes to the point of saying, God, it's obvious that you exist. And, and he goes from faith to faith. So God gives him more light. And he says, God, I still don't understand. But, but I get the sense that what I'm doing is wrong, even though my society says it's okay. But I just, I've got to check here. And I'm not feeling good about it. And so I'm going to stop doing that. And then I get the sense that you want me to start doing this. And when that person has gone from faith to faith to faith and has accepted the light little by little by little, I believe that God will continue to lead that person where he will eventually have an opportunity to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. You can find plenty of illustrations of this in history, and a prime example would be the Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts, and he had gone by chariot all the way from Africa to Jerusalem, and, and why? Why had he done Because he was so spiritually hungry, and, and Jerusalem at this time was the most religious city on the face of the earth, and so he made that long chariot trip because he was searching for God, and let me just show you how, how far that was. You know, right here is Ethiopia, so that's probably the, the region that he came from. And uh, so he would have probably had to gone through a little bit of what is now Eritrea and the Sudan and, and Egypt and, and come on up here and right there is, is Jerusalem. So he did that by chariot. But unfortunately, when, when he got to Jerusalem up there, all he found was legalism. All he found was religion. He didn't find Jesus. And so he's back in his chariot and, and, and he's on his way home from Jerusalem and going to head down through what's Egypt and Sudan and Eritrea and on down to Ethiopia. And he's reading from the book of Isaiah. He's still hungry. He's searching and, and he's desperate. Desperate. To know something more. So he's trying to walk in the little bit of light that he has. And, and the rest of the story is that God rewards his effort to walk in the light. And, and God finds a preacher by the name of Philip. Who, who was in the middle of a revival in Samaria. And God says, Philip, I need you to leave this revival. Even though there are people here that are coming to Christ. And I want you to go out to the desert. I've got one man there. I want you to tell him how to come to Christ. 
And that led to an encounter in the desert. Philip was able to point this man to Christ. And, and we read how in Acts chapter 8 that that man found Christ was baptized. And, and here's what's significant about this. That one conversion, uh, can, can we go back to that uh, map? Open the door to gospel to all of Africa. That one, one conversion. And it all came to pass because the Ethiopian was trying to walk in the little bit of light that he had. There's another man in, the, in Acts chapter 10. His name was Cornelius. And the Bible says he was a Gentile. But, but Cornelius, an army officer, had a hunger to know God. And I don't know where he got that hunger. I don't know if he looked up one night into the, into the starry skies. And he said, you know what? I, I, I know that that amazing creation couldn't have just happened. And so God, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you are, I want to know you. And, and in Acts chapter 10, God spoke to Simon Peter and said, there's a man named Cornelius. He doesn't have much light, but he's trying to walk in the little bit of light that he has. And I want you to go and tell him how to be saved. Can I just wonder out, out loud? Um, I wonder if some of the reason, the reason that some of us don't understand very much of the Bible is because we've not been obeying the light that God has already given us. He's given us light. We're not obeying it. And so we read the Bible and it's just kind of like we all like to say it's just Greek or Hebrew to me. We don't understand. I mean, why would God show us more in His Word until we obey what we already know? So, Light obeyed increases light. And if you want to understand the part of the Bible you don't understand, then begin to obey the part you do understand, and you'll understand what you didn't understand. Do you understand? You know, on occasion, I have people come to me, and they question whether or not God really exists, and they say, well, Pastor, I'm an agnostic. And some people, upon hearing that, they, they go into panic mode. Most of the time, that doesn't bother me too much. But here's what I do. I send them on a journey. And by the way, do you know the Latin equivalent of the word agnostic is the word ignoramus? It means I don't know. I'm ignorant on something. But I send them on a journey because I'm confident if they will do their due diligence and follow the light they do have. I've rarely found somebody that didn't, if they did a search for truth, I almost guarantee you they will find the truth. So when someone comes to my office and says, well, pastor, I don't even know if there's a God or anything, that's okay. Will you do me a favor and go on a journey with me? Because if they're seeking truth, they will find it. Those that worry me are those who say, well, no, I don't want to, I don't want to go on a search and I'm just going to believe what my professor said in college or I'm just going to believe what my family member said and I'm just not going to do a search. No, I don't want to do that. They're the ones that I'm concerned about because if you're not searching, you probably will not find the truth. Okay, 
So light obeyed increases light. Live up to the light that you have. God will give you more light. And then our last observation that should concern every one of us. God will judge us by the light that we've rejected. This is clear in the word. In Romans chapter 2, verse 5, it says, But no, you won't listen. So you're storing up terrible punishment for yourself because of your stubbornness and refusing to turn from your sin. For there is going to come a day of judgment. And skipping on down to verse 11, it says, For God does not show favoritism. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. In other words, you know, those who don't know about Jesus like we do, all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. Now, what, what is this saying? This is simply saying that God knows how much light you have. You know, some here in this room have more light than others. Some of you were raised in church. You were raised in a Christian home, and, and you, have a lot of, you have a lot of light. Others of you don't have as much light. You were not raised in a Christian home. You were not raised in church. And, and some of you just recently become a follower of Christ, and you have some light, but not as much as others. But all of us, all of us here have far more light than people across the world. I mean, Eldred Springs has a church on practically every street corner. Used to be 16 churches within the city limits, another 20 to 25 churches within an easy driving radius of our town. Almost every home has multiple Bibles. How many of you would just raise your hand and say, well, we've got at least five Bibles in our home. Can, can I just take it, push the limits? How many of you would say, how many, uh, I have at least 10 Bibles in my home. Any of you? Yeah, there, there are quite a few homes like that. You know what? You can tune into, I was trying to figure up today, um, four, at least four Christian radio stations living here in Eldorado Springs. Um, you know, prayers are said at the Chamber of Commerce meetings, Optimus Club meetings, and prayers are even said at tractor pulls here in Cedar County. And, um, and so I think the question for us today is not so much, you know, what is God going to do with those pagans who have never heard? But I think the question for us is, what is God going to do to us who have heard the gospel but are not obeying the gospel? You know, Jesus said something that is just a really troubling scripture to me because he was talking about Capernaum, which in a sense would have been his headquarters. And he said this, he said, Sodom and Gomorrah would be better off at the judgment than for that city where he preached and taught, yet they turned their backs on him and never received him. That's a pretty troubling scripture. You know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? Destroyed by fire and brimstone. And, you know, we look at that as just uh, the equivalent of the most wicked society ever, which kind of reminds me of our society today. But, but God said that, you know, Jesus was saying that Sodom and Gomorrah would be better off at the judgment than for the city where he preached and taught, yet they did not accept him. And something that I was thinking about this week, I, I believe that every time people leave this building without Christ, they get farther 
and farther from the truth and their hearts get darker and darker. And so, you know, I don't have any emotional stories to tell as we wrap things up, but can I just say it like this? If you're not walking in all of the light that God has given you, would you just please come to the light? You know, if there's sin in your life, if you're involved in some things, or maybe you haven't given your heart fully to Christ, and you know it, would you just, would you just come to the light and begin following what Jesus wants you to do? Lord, uh, I, I know this is kind of a somber topic and Lord, I pray that there would be not one person here that would miss heaven. God, I know how easy it is. It's easy for us to develop bad attitudes. It's easy for us to get involved in a little bit of sin. And I know this personally. It, Lord, whenever we do something wrong for the very first time, it our conscience pricks us. And we are so troubled and we decide we're not going to do it again. And then... Lord, if we keep doing it, then it gets easier and easier to manage the guilt. And then we come to the point where Scripture talked about where then we begin to justify our actions. And so, God, I pray that today and this week that you would do something within our hearts, within our lives that would, uh, Lord, maybe change the destiny of some people's lives. Lord, if there's sin that we're involved in, would you give us the power to break away from that sin? Whatever it is, Lord, whether there's, whether there's an affair, whether there's uh, pornography, whether there's just uh, maybe sins of attitude, Father, illegal activity, whatever it is, Father, I pray that you would give us the courage to break free through the power of Jesus. So God... Uh, Here we are in your presence, wanting to follow the light. Lord, let us us go as your righteousness is revealed faith by faith. Lord, that we would keep following, keep growing. Lord, I want to just pray for our children. Lord, I want to pray for our relatives. I want to pray for our neighbors. Lord, for those, there are some that maybe just don't have a desire anymore and we don't know how to convince them. We don't know what to do. We don't know. We're, we're frustrated. We've talked with them and it's even created kind of a barrier. But Lord, I pray that somehow you would just inject light into their lives to where they would see truth and understand truth. Lord, I pray for them right now in your name. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.